Welcome to Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Wes Goldberg, host of Locked On Warriors, here with David Rommel, the host of Locked On Heat. Today's episode of Locked On NBA is brought to you by Built Bar, the best-tasting low-carb protein bar around. The promo code Locked On gets you $10 off your first box at BuiltBar.com. On today's show, the Spurs lose a star player for the NBA's restart, and teams are pushing the league to allow two-way players to participate. But David, I wanted to start by power-ranking the 22 teams. I think we should start at the bottom, get through some of those, and then get to the top teams. But I, I think the first few are pretty easy, and honestly, these are the teams that shouldn't even be in Orlando in the first place. Those are Washington, Phoenix, and Sacramento. Can we agree on that and just keep it moving? I, I'd i like to, believe me. I, I don't necessarily want to talk about the bottom rung of the, uh, the quarantine playoffs here, but at the same time, I'm just not sure that... Uh, San Antonio shouldn't be included in that talk, especially given the news that we'll get into later on in the show. I mean, they, you know, you kind of seem to give them a lot of credit because obviously they've got Greg Popovich and, and you assume that they're going to be able to be coached as well as possible. But I, I don't know that it's a natural assumption to to think that they're not among the worst teams in the league, given that they're only, what, a half game better than the, the Suns. I mean, they're, they're not a particularly strong team this season, and uh, they just got a whole hell of a lot worse after today's news. So would you say maybe Sacramento or Phoenix are better than San Antonio at this point? Would you keep San would you would you put San Antonio down at like 22, 21, 20? Ah, oh, that's tough. They're not worse than Washington. Yeah. No. But well, our, John Wall is ruled out, right? There's no chance of him returning to play. Yeah, it doesn't sound like he's going to come back. Okay. That being the case, and yes, Washington, pretty clearly the worst team there. Uh and, and Phoenix, I don't trust that they're going to be able to turn it around. Too many X factors here. You're right. I, you know, given that it's Popovich, that he always seems to be able to connect with players and connect and explain to them the nuances of what are happening. I have to give them a slight edge over these other bottom run teams. So yes, let's okay. let's say that that Spurs are fourth out of the field of 22. I actually, I actually have Brooklyn below San Antonio. I, I trust the Spurs more than I trust the Nets, and I, I say this because the Nets. Fired Kenny Atkinson. They're being coached by Jacques Vaughn right now. We saw how that goes oh. in Orlando. They don't. They've already had Kevin Durant uh, ruled out. Kyrie Irving may not. I, I think he's also ruled out. He's not going to play. Uh, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not all in on a you know Karis Levert led and Jacques Vaughn led team. I would. I would rather have this. I would rather put my money on the Spurs. Then yeah, Brooklyn. Spencer Dinwiddie already looking ahead to free agency, asking for uh, fan recommendations of what team he should play for, etc. <laughs> I mean, it, that does seem like a, a a sinking ship. I had totally forgotten the Atkinson thing. This, I mean, we've gone through like several eternities worth of news and, and inactivity over the last few months, so it's kind of hard to keep track and, and kind of jumpstart mm-hmm. exactly where we are regarding you know, each thirty you know, each of the thirty teams. But man, that Brooklyn team that is an absolute mess. Like. If anything, they should be appealing to be left off of the playoff roster. I, I mean, I can't imagine any reason for them to play here. Yeah, maybe you argue, okay, let's get these these younger role players some playoff experience so that when next year when KD and, and Kyrie are here, those guys kind of have a sense. I don't they're, know. On the, they're being shopped around, exactly. though. Like that's, yeah, they're not going to be on the team like, next year. Like, there's no, get them yeah. some playoff experience for whatever team. Oh, maybe that's the point then. It's like, oh, let's let Karis LeVert go off for 35 uh, per game so that he could be a, you know, a, a suitable trade package, there I guess. Go. I don't I don't know. I mean, I just don't understand the mentality there other than that. All right, so that's our bottom five. Washington, Phoenix, Sacramento, Brooklyn, and San Antonio in that order. That's fair. All right, so moving on from there, I've got uh, Orlando as my... 
uh, next worst team despite the home court advantage. And they're, they have to... I found it very interesting. It makes sense, but if you play for the Magic, you still have to adhere to these bubble rules. Like, you have to stay on the at, at the resort property. You can't go home. Like, you're going to be quarantined in your own home city. I found that interesting. I wonder how that's going to affect the Magic. They're... There's some good things happening with them at the end of the season. The Markel Fultz thing seems to be working. They've got talent. They've got depth um, at a lot of different positions. But I just don't like the Magic in a playoff setting. Uh, I don't hate them, but there's there. I think this feels right. Sixth worst in our in our power rankings. I have them at uh, 18. Yeah, it's tough to argue that. I'm trying to decide whether or not it's the Magic or maybe the Grizzlies being that they're so young. Um, I've got the Grizzlies. I, I, I've got I, the Grizzlies I, next at, at so I got Orlando at 17 and Memphis at 16. So they're like right there. You you could flip either of those because yeah. I mean, look, I, look, you know, Nikola Vucevic and Evan Fournier both. You know, young children at home that they just had kids, um, and and so I can imagine there being a very very strong sense of longing to be back with their families, even though they're just separated by a few miles as they're trapped, quote unquote, trapped on the ESPN Worldwide of Sports bubble. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know that the rest of that roster is going to be so aware of the kind of ramifications of being in the playoffs. Like Aaron Gordon, this will be his second trip to the playoffs. You know. Markel Fultz, he has some experience with the 76ers, but not really. You know, he's not... I mean, are these players going to step up significantly? And you hope that Clifford is going to be kind of engaged here, but, I mean, a lot of these players have probably checked out to some degree, and I just don't know that the Magic see themselves as legitimate contenders and and are going to be willing to push this considering all the other factors taking place around them. The Grizzlies conversely at least in my opinion they're young and they've kind of got something to look forward to although this kind of stoppage in play really throws them off significantly there's the other side of it where it's like well you know what we got nothing else to do and we're excited about this opportunity this is a team that's played with energy and i think there's also going to be the reality that you know they've got something to play for they want to hang on to that a seed in the western conference they don't want to be mm-hmm. you know forced out of the potential playoff race by you know by a, a team like portland or, or you know the new orleans pelicans which seem to be included in this playoff bracket just so that they can you know have zion williamson appear to the public there uh, I, I can imagine the grizzlies being a little bit more engaged so i guess i, I given that you know Memphis is younger and has a lot more to play for. They're probably the better team than the Magic are at this point, despite the. And I, I like I like their I like their backcourt combination of John Morant and Dylan Brooks and Jonas Valanciunas has had an incredible season for them too. You could argue he's a better center right now than Nikola Vucevic is. Um, I, I like you know the one thing about Memphis they lose um, Jay Crowder because they traded him to Miami. They get Justice Winslow in that deal. Winslow has not really been a part of what they've been doing. Um, he'll be playing. He'll, I think no, he'll, he'll be playing. He'll be playing, but he's sort of, you know, he's new there, and I don't, we don't know what that looks like yet. I think he's going to be a good player for them, I think. I, I think it's a good fit, but uh, we just, you know, it takes a while to get, you know, accustomed to a new team, and it's only going to be the second team of his career. Um, and I think the Jay Crowder veteran presence was really helpful for them, and now they're really, really young. Uh, but that said, Orlando, Memphis, um, at 17 and 16, let's go uh, to the, my next two teams. Uh I've got Portland at 15 and Utah coming in early at 13. They We talked about this on a, a prior episode of Locked on NBA. When you lose Bogdan Bogdanovich, um, 
or Bojan Bogdanovic, that's tough. And now, you know, Quinn Snyder had to play and, and mix and match a lot of different lineups. He found one with Bogdanovich that works. He was sort of the guy who helped with the spacing and, and made a lot of things sort of click into place. And they don't have that anymore. And I think it's going to be tough for Utah, not to mention the fact that Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert don't seem to be getting along very much right now. So mm. I've got Portland um, slightly behind them, only because I think between those two teams, Damian Lillard's the best player on the floor. They're going to get Yusuf Nurkic back, it looks like. Um, you get Zach Collins back, potentially, too. I, I like the depth in Portland a little bit more. They're seeming to be healthy when Utah has a lot of things going against them. That said, I've got Portland and then Utah. I, I mean, I think you can make a case for Dallas being in there, too, right? I mean, I'm not sure where you have them in your rankings, but I, I don't know that that team is going to be ready. Like, yeah, Rick Carlisle, obviously uh, going to have that team coached well and understanding everything that's taking place there. But, uh, you know, Luka Doncic has been in Europe for most of the hiatus. Uh, you know, Porzingis, I imagine, has probably spent some time there as well, although I haven't checked those reports lately. But, I mean, that's they're, – they're going to be – if they're in Europe – by the time they get back, they have to spend some a couple of weeks in, in quarantine because of national protocols in place. And so they're not going to be able to play with their teams, whereas some teams have been playing, at least having individual workouts at team facilities for weeks now. Dallas seems like a team that's probably hasn't been able to get their two best players in, in the, at the America Airlines Center for, for quite some time, and who knows when they will be able to. So I, I'm not quite sure that we can just count on Dallas being as strong a contender, even yeah. you know, even if they're just towards the little the the, the mid range there. But I like I like I like Dallas. I like Portland's chances better than Dallas's man. Like I, really? I Doncic is a fantastic player. Yeah, Don, I I just as much as Dame you know had a valid point in saying look we don't we don't have anything to play for you're not going to get me to play in there just to trot me out there for no reason uh i think given the playoffs and everything that that holds there for for him i think he'll he'll take his game up to another level and i think he can still i mean we could forget he was one of the best players in the league this season like he gets so overlooked but he's such a phenomenal player and i i feel like you know we're not taking that into consideration but i mean they're going to come back with yeah, to a healthy front court, and I, and I think that they they're going to be a lot more frightening an opponent than a lot of people expect. I mean, they did go to the Western Conference Finals last year in sort of a weird way because Golden State and Houston played in the sure. semifinals. But I'm not going to fight you on this. If you if we want to do it this way, we got um, Utah at 15, Dallas at 14, Portland at 13. I think that's fair. That sounds about right. And then New Orleans, like... New Orleans coming in right after that. Um, Zion, we'll see what kind of shape he's in. That's the thing that everybody's got. But even after that, Drew Holiday is a playoff monster. Uh, they've got a, J.J. Redick, always good in the playoffs. I mean, they've got guys uh, who I trust, and that's sort of what I'm looking at here because this is they, there's so much off time. I think a team like New Orleans with the veteran presence that they have and the coaching that they have and just having Zion Williamson, who was sensational when he was playing, um, I like them a lot. I actually have I, – I, them being included in this Orlando thing, I, I think they end up probably getting the eight seed because I just trust the the foundation that they have there. So I've got them uh, coming in at twelve. I totally forgot about them. I, I, I can I just hear some Pelicans fans already yelling at me, but no, I, I I'm sorry, I, I disagree with that completely. I, I feel like we've heard that Zion's in the best shape of his life, whatever that means. He's still like twenty years old, so it doesn't really matter. At the same time, there's no experience there between him and Ingram and some of the guys that they're counting on. J.J. Redick is not a guy who's going to carry your team. As good as Drew Holiday is, 
I'm not convinced that Alvin Gentry, I mean, he might not even last the season. You know, he, he might not be there next season. I'm not sure that, that you can count on that team kind of being focused on everything, especially given the last few months that they've been separated from everything. I mean, that's going to be effective for every team regardless. Mm-hmm. But I just don't know that they're going to be so happy just to be in the quote-unquote playoffs if they do get that eighth seed. I don't see them making much noise beyond that. Uh, I mean, they're fa- they're fighting for the right to get swept, which is fine. And I just – I. I still like Dame's playoff experience over everything else. So to me, I would put I would put New Orleans maybe 14th and then slide Portland above them, yeah. Even Portland and Dallas over Wow. New Orleans. So yeah, I sure. I kind of went back and forth here, but I like New Orleans from a matchup perspective. I think the Drew maybe I'm maybe I'm just a Drew Holiday homer. I love him in the playoffs, man. And if you have Drew going up, like, guarding Luka and Drew guarding Damian Lillard, we've seen how that works, right? We've seen Portland struggle with that. I've got major questions with the Trailblazers as far as what they could do defensively. And, yeah, you get Zach Collins and Yusuf Nurkic back. Let's see them play. Like, Nurkic hasn't played in a year, you know? I don't I don't know what kind of shape he's going to be in. I don't trust Hassan Whiteside to do anything. Uh, oh, that's what it is. Yeah, this is this is you have some anti uh, Blazers sentiment because of Hassan Whiteside's presence on the roster. I mean, which they I have, totally agree with. They have shooters, but that's about it. Um, well, like, <laughs> I I don't I don't know, man. I don't know about Portland. Uh, I I think New Orleans is still sort of in this mix. Um, it, it really does depend on how Zion comes back. I think Brandon Ingram also is going to be a a good playoff player. He's a guy that can create his own shot. We saw that this year from him. Um, those kind of players tend to be really valuable in the playoffs. And, you know, Dallas has their version of that with Luka Doncic. He's one of the best in creating shots in the league. Um, Portland obviously has that with Damian Lillard. Yeah, I don't, I don't mind having New Orleans, New Orleans here. I, I still like them in, the, in matchups against them. But uh, we can agree to disagree. Let's move on. They're all in the same bunch, it sounds like. But after, I, I think it, it, we get to a little bit of a clear uh, demarcation here. I've got Indiana at as the uh, as my eleventh team before we get into our top ten, but I, I think that they're right. They're more they're more similar to our top ten teams than our bottom, you know, eleven or twelve here. That's fair. That's fair. You can. I mean, I, I'm not. I guess it's you've been low on the Thunder for most of the season. I can imagine that uh, you probably have them right at the at the tenth level there. But um, we'll get to that. The Pacers. Yeah, I mean they—they're always a team that that get they overachieve. They have some talent. We assume that Oladipo is going to be fully healthy and ready to go. That's the big question uh, mark. Yeah, and, and if Malcolm Brogdon is available and and can stay healthy during the eight game regular season and whatever else they they, they want to playing afterwards, they could be a dangerous team. But there are so many questions about that that team being able to stay a hundred percent. So, yeah. Um, Okay, I'll keep the Pacers at 11 too. We'll finish our power rankings in a bit, but first, let me go grab a Built Bar. This is the best-tasting protein bar I've ever had. Trust me, I've tried a lot of them. A protein bar covered in 100% real chocolate. Built Bar tastes like a candy bar while delivering fewer sugars and carbs, making it better tasting and better for you than any of the competitors. With 16 amazing flavors like peanut butter, chocolate, mint brownie, and my personal favorite, orange chocolate cream, Built Bar is like a cheat code for health-conscious men and women everywhere. These bars are low-calorie, they're low-sugar, and they're also high in protein and fiber, making them perfect for any ketogenic or low-carb diet. David, you told me that you don't like mint brownie, not because you don't like the Built Bar version of it, but you just don't like that flavor combination. And I went, look, I never pushed you on this in past ad reads, but uh, I went and had the mint brownie one. It was the last 
uh, Built Bar, I was saving it for last because I'm a sane person and like that combination of flavors. I don't understand how you don't like that combination of flavors. I'm pushing you on it now. You know, to me, look, first and foremost, my wife loves those flavors. So she grabbed that bar first and foremost, like she plucked it right out of the box and I didn't even get a chance to try it. To me, mint is, you know, that's a breath mint. That's like a, a mouthwash. You don't add that to your desserts. I, I can't just see. I just don't see why you would combine those two flavors. When was the last but, time you tried a mint brownie combination? Like mint like mint chocolate ice cream? You don't like that? Like, that's amazing. Mint chocolate. Last time I tried that combination was probably in the 90s. So I, I don't think I'm, I'm going <laughs> to. <laughs> yeah, off. it's been a while. Yeah, it's been, it's been a while, probably during Michael Jordan's heyday. So, you know, I know we're not talking about the last dance anymore, but he he was probably still an active player in the league and not wearing a Washington Wizards jersey. So, uh, you know, that you know, it doesn't matter. But the whole point is when it comes to Bill Bar, there are a ton of other flavors. And I, I'm just I'm looking forward to still trying more and ordering more because they're adding flavors all the time. It's such a great product. And, and we endorse it wholeheartedly. Everybody around the the you know the network has just talked about yeah. what a great flavor. I mean, there's so many different flavors. They're great. They're a light snack, but at the same time, they give you everything you need, the energy, the nutrients that you're looking for, and it's so quick and easy. I just find it to be such an advantage in today's world, especially you know a lot of people have a lot more time in their hands maybe during the pandemic, but at the same time, a lot of people just don't feel like cooking anymore either. And so to me, the built bar has been such a relief being able to grab a healthy snack and be able to just keep going and move on with the rest of my day. Use the promo code locked on at builtbar.com to get ten dollars of your first off your first order. Again, that's promo code locked on, one word for ten dollars off at builtbar.com. All right, we'll finish up our power rankings later on, but first, let's get to some headlines from around the league, and you choose whether or not you want to discuss the topic. It's a segment that we're calling "Blow the Whistle." If you want to stop on a topic, just say blow the whistle, Wes. If not, we'll play on. Can you handle that? I think I can handle it. Let's do it. Okay. All right. That sounds good. All right. In a video produced by the San Antonio Spurs, Coach Greg Popovich said, it's up to white people to step up no matter what the consequences. That's a direct quote. And to help lead the charge for change. Should we blow the whistle or play on? Let's blow the whistle here, David. I think... uh... Look, Greg, this is not shocking what, that Greg Popovich is saying anything, but I, I, I do find it in all these things. He's, he's saying things like this in this video produced by the team. He's done um, you know, interviews with the, uh, the, the Nation, I believe, where he lambasted Trump. And he's been, again, very outspoken, but very eloquent. And you're really now seeing, we've always known how connected Greg Popovich is, but he is connected and he is passionate. And we need guys like him to step up and say things. I know that, you know, there's so much stuff going around in the world. But when Popovich, the stage he has, it's so important for him to come out and say stuff, especially when you take that you take that compared to, you know, Roger Goodell continually like stepping on his own foot. You know, the NFL as a whole just seemingly taking backward steps all the time. While the NBA, I thought, I I think has done a really good job in in relation to how they've handled the coronavirus and what they're saying about these protests and everything like that. I love that Greg Popovich is going out of his way to do stuff like that. In a state that has some pretty deep conservative veins running through it, uh, you, you can understand why it's important 
for a, a liberally minded opinion like Popovich is to come out and be public, et cetera. And, and look, the fact is that Popovich is part of the Black Coaches Association. I mean, I heard that in the Dwayne Casey interview that he did with Zach Lowe for the Low Post podcast recently, that it's important to get a guy like Steve Kerr and Greg mm-hmm. Popovich involved because of their voice, because of their influence, because of their experiences as players in Kerr's case or as a longtime coach and executive in Popovich's case. And, you know, that's the whole thing is that you have to get a for white folk like pop and Kerr, it's important to understand the perspective. While we can't understand what it's like to live the life of a black man or woman in this country, it's important to hear those opinions, to be empathetic because we can hear what it's like to go through that struggle and then to be able to recognize and understand that we can do something about it. Just because we don't share those same experiences doesn't mean that we can't feel for something like that as tragic as, as this event taking place. And so it's important for Pop to be able to make comments publicly and to understand, to let people know you have a, a not just a right, but you have a duty to speak up about these things. And so it's, it's great. I always applaud Popovich taking a, a, a stand against evils that he perceives in this world i know a lot of our listeners may not agree or or, you know they want people to stick to sports but to me it's always important for coaches and players to to be in the forefront of these issues because they are role models whether they want to be or not let's move on speaking of the spurs lamarcus aldridge will not be playing when the season resumes in orlando after undergoing surgery for his rotator cuff in his right shoulder uh, Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN reporting that this took place back in April, so the Spurs are aware of it, but they're currently four games back of the number eight seed Memphis Grizzlies. Blow the whistle or play on? Play on. Look, we knew LaMarcus Aldridge wasn't healthy. Like you said, he got the surgery in April. I actually don't think that this is going to affect much for the Spurs anyway, so let's just move on. Yeah, it's it's tough to see them. I, I mean, look, I, I made the argument in the first segment that Pop is going to be able to get the most out of his players, regardless of whether they're healthy or not. Whoever's available in Orlando will probably play above their weight class to some degree because Pop is, you know, Pop. But at the same time, uh, it, you know, Aldridge is going to be a, a significant loss there. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I kind of disagree with you in the sense that he's not going to be a factor. So I just don't know that this here. A little bit, a little bit, a little bit. But at the same time, I mean, are the Spurs really a factor? Even if Aldridge had been healthy, that's yeah, yeah, that's the whole issue there. I mean, I think the the Spurs will look significantly worse, but at the same time, they're still not going to be a factor one way or the other. Well, let's move on. Well, no, it seems like now that we're here, I I think that this is an opportunity for us to talk about the future of the Spurs a little bit. Um, Hmm. I think this is a team that is this this is a pivotal summer for them. We'll see what happens with DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge and these guys, but they could just blow this thing up, and I think they ought to. I just don't – like we were saying before, even if Aldridge were healthy, I don't think it makes much of a difference. This team really needs to to figure out wh- where they're going, and I, cause, and I don't think the, the duo of Aldridge and DeRozan is going to do much for them going forward, but we can – Go from there. I mean, then then the issue is whether or not you're you're looking to keep Greg Popovich as coach because I don't think he can stay there for a rebuild. And I don't think that he's he doesn't have the same kind of commitment there. So Good we're point. looking at the possibility Tim Duncan taking over as head coach for the San Antonio Spurs within the next year or so. The NBA is working on ways for teams to replace players in the event of positive coronavirus tests or serious injuries within the Orlando bubble season. Among those ways, teams are pushing the league to reconsider allowing two-way players to par- participate, which the NBA has so far hesitated to do since opening camp with these players on the roster as of 22 teams would add up to 44 people to the bubble and the NBA is searching for ways to keep those numbers down to limit risk 
Blow the whistle or blow the whistle here. This is ridiculous, David. The NBA is trying to figure out a way to limit the risk of getting coronavirus. Okay. How about this? Don't invite 22 teams. We just got over our power rankings. There are mo- like there's six, seven, eight of them that have no business being in Orlando. Why not just have kept it to 16 teams? Sorry, Zion in New Orleans. Sorry, TV ratings, all this stuff. Instead of this cheap money grab, which is what this is, inviting any any more than 16 teams was a cheap money grab at at the at the cost of risking more people being in this bubble and now the NBA wants to take a stand and say well now we don't want two-way players because we don't add, we don't want to add 44 more people to the bubble why don't you just not invite these these eight other teams in the first place i mean this is ridiculous like this to me is insane let the two-way players in at this point because you're going to need them because players are going to get injured they're gonna like there are gonna be injuries. Plus, who knows? You can succumb to a corona, the coronavirus if you have a positive test. You're not gonna be able to play. You need expanded rosters in the playoffs. The two way players make way more sense. What doesn't make sense is adding 22 teams to this thing. Yeah, I have to say that the the NBA's public reasoning, at least, or their complaints about or why they're hesitant regarding this this potential change isn't really forthcoming. I, I feel like they're just trying to remove any kind of added competitive edge. We've heard a number of proposals regarding, you know, a player taking on seven fouls or something along those lines just to give teams competitive edges or to, you know, to uh, award teams that are higher ranked as far as the regular season record before the stoppage of play, etc. But I mean, this just seems like a ridiculous move. Like you should be able to bring up two-way players. They, they should... You know, you have to limit these kinds of or, or remove restrictions whatsoever because this is such an unusual circumstance. We have no idea what's going to happen. No one has ever done this before. No one has ever stopped play and restarted it at a hundred percent as quickly as this league is trying to do. And so, it, there's going to be the increased possibility of injuries and things of that sort. So, why not be able to at least allow some player, a, a two-way player who likely isn't going to be able to play all that much anyway? It's not like they're going to be if, let's say, LeBron tests positive. Positive. Nobody from the, the the Los Angeles Lakers G, G League team is going to be able to step up and fit in there and play to, to LeBron's capacity. So what's the argument here? Like, I I just don't see why they're they're taking a stand so strongly uh, for something so ridiculous. It, it just seems like such an innocuous change and that one that makes complete and total sense. Uh, I I agree. It, it's it doesn't make any sense. Um, we tell you who should be the favorite to win the title next, but first, if you're like me. You've tried to make the most of this pandemic by buying a bunch of books that you swore that you would read, and now your reading list has only gotten longer. At least that's uh, that was until I found this great tool called Blinkist. While juggling things like working from home, cooking, and childcare, it's hard to find the time and read to, to read and learn more. That's where Blinkist comes in. Blinkist is really unique. It works on your phone, on your tablet, or on your web browser. Blinkist takes the best key takeaways, the need-to-know information from thousands of nonfiction titles and condenses them down into quick 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. Perfect if you want to get the main points of a book quickly so that you can start using that information right away. With its audio feature, Blinkist makes it easy to finish a book when you're when you're on your lunch break, when you're working around the house, or while you exercise. 12 million people are using Blinkist right now, and it has a massive and growing library from self-help and business to health and history books. Blinkist has the latest titles from bestseller lists as well as the classic nonfiction titles that you always meant to read but never had the time to get to. With Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books, all the books that you want, all for one low price. Right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com NBA and try it for free for seven days and save 25% off of your new subscription. 
That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash NBA to start your free seven-day trial. You'll also save 25% off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com slash NBA. All right, David, let's wrap up our power rankings here. When we last left, the Indiana Pacers were the 11th-ranked team in our power rankings of the 22 bubble teams. We start now in the top 10. And David, I've got Denver coming in at 10. I think Denver is... I think they've been a fake playoff contender all year long. I think they're a good regular season team. I love Jokic. I love everything they've got going on there. There's a lot of things that I like about that team, but I don't like that team in the playoffs. I think there's just things that they don't have. They don't have enough shot creation on the perimeter. Uh, Jamal Murray is very high and low in the playoffs in years past. So unless he makes some sort of leap in this postseason, I've got them coming in at 10. I can't argue with that, but I'm going to anyway. The Philadelphia 76ers, I just don't trust them enough, to be honest with you. I, I just They've had such a convincing home record, but they're such a bad team on the road. Orlando, while it might be, quote, home for a lot of uh, – for, for every team, it's just not going to feel the same thing for Philadelphia. They're not going to have that edge. I feel like there's so much tension within that organization and they're just going to blow up. And, and the fact that they've had a couple of months to kind of just simmer in their hateful juices, I just don't think that they're going to be a very good team in the playoffs, whatever that might look like moving forward. As much as I like the talent of Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, I just don't see them being able to make a lot of change. I still have, I won't go so far as to say hope, but I have high expectations for Denver, especially with uh, Nikola Jokic having lost some weight during the hiatus and playing in some good shape. We always knew he was going to be able to play at a higher level throughout the rest of the season, and I think he's going to be able to reach that. He's a... I, he strikes me as a guy who just doesn't need that much to kind of get his game going because he's already had this incredible amount of time off, and I think he's going to be able to lead that team to a couple of edges. It's not much of an edge. I think the Nuggets might be my eighth best team as opposed to the tenth best team, but uh, I still have the Nuggets over the the uh, the Seventy Sixers. So Seventy Sixers are tenth for me. I don't mind having the Sixers where you have them. I, I'm. We, we talk about them getting healthy, right? That this time off is a team, it will help them. And I think it helps them to get Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid back close to 100%. But it, that's still a team that wasn't necessarily working all that well. They still have a ton of lineup questions. What are you doing with Al Horford um, coming yeah. off the bench and all these things? There's some, there are some developments that I like about the Sixers. I think having Glenn Robinson and Alec Burks there will help give them some much-needed depth. The Shake Milton, really? The Shake Milton thing is good like he might be a starter for them he's been a nice player for them at the, like right before the season was postponed so if you've got this lineup of ben simmons shake milton um tobias harris josh richardson joel Embiid, i think there's enough ball creation there enough shot making there that i like them a little bit more than i like denver i actually and i like their size too i i can't help but divorce my feelings from that i know that it it's it's clunky and all these things but they're so big and i just think that that's helpful and joel Embiid could be so good if he's healthy i'm giving them a little bit of a benefit of the doubt i've actually got oklahoma city ranked 9 and philadelphia at 8 uh the thunder have the longest winning streak in the nba right now but i don't think that matters since we've had so much no. time off at all uh chris paul's obviously great but the rest of that team is really young uh, chris paul and Danilo gallinari are sort of their veterans um, I've got, I've got Denver, Oklahoma City, and then Philadelphia as my ten, nine, and eight. I've got the Thunder at nine too. Okay. I, I guess we're just flipping uh, Philadelphia and Denver there, but uh, yeah, the Thunder are ninth. 
best. I, I like the Chris Paul thing. I think if you know if there's a player who we know is going to stay focused and engaged and has had access to facilities over the course of the hiatus, then it's definitely Chris Paul. He kind of forgets Stephen Adams is there too, but he's going to be a, a big force for them. I feel, um, you know, a guy who who can kind of just roll with the punches. I don't think there's going to be a problem for him kind of being a, an effective player for Oklahoma City. Um, yeah, I, I just I, I kind of like their chances. I think Billy Donovan can do a good job kind of getting them focused, etc. So the Thunder are a good team. I don't know that they're going to be. They're definitely in that. That third tier, as far as the, the playoff contenders are concerned, they're a good team, but I don't know if they're necessarily going to be challenging the Lakers or Bucks for a title. Um, so yeah, ninth, I just, I don't know. I Look, I know we've been kind of bullish on the 76ers. I feel like they've been one of the more disappointing teams because a lot of people had, you know, some hope that they would be able to at least contend for the best team in the Eastern Conference and they just fell flat. It was a lot harder than expected for them to be able to gel as a team. And it's just, I just, I'm not sure what version of this team we're going to get. They've had some incredible moments over the course of the regular season, particularly at home, but on the road, they've just kind of flopped around yeah. a little bit, and I just don't know that which version is going to be there in Orlando. So well, that's the thing, it, it's is tough that, for me to kind of put them at the eighth, at the eighth seed. And that, that, that road thing is real. I mean, this is definitely a lot more like a road. Like, it's supposed to be a neutral court and everything, but they're not in Philadelphia, and I think that's going to hurt them. Look, I... I'm not going to argue too much for Philadelphia because you're right; they've been disappointing. I thought they were, I had them going to the finals in the preseason, and they've been. I remember. Yeah, they've been very, very far from that. Um, but uh, you mentioned that they're this third tier. Now we're moving on to our second tier. I think there's a pretty clear line of demarcation here. I've got Toronto at seven. Um, I know that they've been good during the regular season. I know that they've kind of. You know, guys like Pascal Siakam have stepped up and, and Fred Van Vliet and all these guys. But this is, without Kawhi there, it really is, it feels more like Toronto, you know, prior to Kawhi having gotten there last year where, okay, regular season stuff works, but playoffs, there's real questions. And I have real questions about this team. Who's going to be their shot? Where is the offense coming from on a consistent basis? Uh, can they be that elite level defensive team to take out some of these other teams in the East. Uh, I've got Toronto at seven. Yeah, tough to argue. I, I mean, look, I, I feel like they're a dark horse candidate for a lot of people, and I feel like there's a lot of goodwill built up because of their championship last season, and they've, to me, exceeded expectations. I mean, I, I, I thought Nick Nurse had done a great job and is certainly worthy of Coach of the Year candidacy because he's been able mm-hmm. to keep his team focused and engaged. You see so many champions, especially one-time champions or likely one-time champions like the Raptors kind of just fall apart there. This wasn't the case. He's had them engaged and playing almost at an even better level during the regular season. And that's, with again, as you mentioned, without Kawhi Leonard in the lineup. I just don't know how realistic they can sustain that in the playoffs without Kawhi. And, and I feel like that's, look, I, I mean, as good as Kawhi is, you know, he was a significant factor for them in their championship title run last year. And I just don't think you can remove a player that good and expect to have the same kind of success or even close to it. And so yeah. I, I, it's tough because I, I feel like they are a good team and they have managed to replace his singular talents with some spread around depth and, and, and overall, uh, you know, betterment across the board. But I just don't know that that's a team that's going to be able to legitimately challenge for. Look, seventh best is still a good ranking yeah. there. I just, it's just not going to be where a lot of Raptors fans feel that they they belong. Um, Nick Nurse, who's your sixth best team? Nick Nurse, second best coach in the Eastern Conference. He's the one guy that gives them the edge. Uh, sixth best okay. to me is Houston. 
Um, look, you've got James Harden, who's in great shape, apparently. Russell Westbrook is thriving in this small ball style thing. I, I think the time off really helps Houston because you've got all those smaller bodies that are now presumably rested and a little bit healthier. That could give them a little bit of a jump here. And I, I think that there's going to be an element of surprise thing with this small ball. We were still kind of figuring out and learning about it. I'm sure teams have gone and watched film, like coaches that are going to be involved that anticipate playing them have watched film on it. But you don't know it until you play it. I think that's going to give them a little bit of an edge. I like Houston at six. All right. You know what? I changed my mind. I know I've done this consistently throughout the show. I'm bumping them down in favor of Toronto. I think Toronto's at six and Houston's at seventh. I, I just don't know, man. Like, I, I see that Rockets team, and I just I have yet to believe that they're going to be a legitimate contender. I mean, so many people believe that they are that it makes me feel like maybe I'm crazy. But at the same time, I just want to be I want to be the, the canary in the coal mine saying, you know what? They're a fraud. They're not realistic as far as being able to contend for title. A lot of people think that they're going to be able to challenge. And I look, you look at Harden's singular talents, and there's good reason to believe that. But I, I don't think he's going to falter the way he has in past playoff performances. I think a lot of that's been overblown. I just don't know that you're going to count on him so consistently. And I just don't know what version of Westbrook you're going to get, although he was playing significantly better before the hiatus uh, towards the regular season. I, I think with I, Houston and Toronto, you're getting two major questions. Toronto, who's your lead guy? Who's the alpha? Because that's what got them over the hump last year. They don't have that anymore. With Houston, what happens when a team does bully them in in the paint? and and those are the two main questions. I think that's why they're left out of our top five. Um, do you think? Do you think Dan Tony, you know, given everything that he's been pretty public about, considering you know older coaches being targeted and worried about you know their health and and, and you know rightfully so, they should not be targeted. I think that the same concerns for older coaches should be applied towards every coach. But at the same time, I mean, there's also talk that he might not be there beyond the season. Right. That, I mean, you don't that's, think that's going to be a distraction for him and the rest of the team? I don't. I'm, I'm not that. I'm not going to buy into that that much. I mean, they've had enough time to be distracted by it. Once the playoffs start, <laughs> I, I think they'll be okay. All right, our top five. Let's get through this. Um, I don't know how much I want to spend on these. Much time I want to spend on these next two because I think that's pretty self-explanatory. Uh, and I really want to get into the top three here before we get out of this. But uh, I've got Miami at five and Boston at four. And my argument for Miami is that they're going to be they're going to be healthy where they weren't before. You're getting Myers Leonard back. Jimmy Butler is going to be healthy. Tyler Hero is going to be healthy. All these guys are going to be healthy when they come back. I love their depth. We they've added Andre Iguodala. They've added Jay Crowder. Uh, they've got a ton of shot making. Bam Adebayo is the real deal. Um, you've got Eric Spolstra. They've so they've got the best coach in the East, and he always comes up big. In I, I of all the teams, I trust the Heat to be ready for this weird Orlando bubble dynamic thing. And uh, yeah. I, and when you've got Jimmy Butler, you've got your tough shot maker, and they are one of the best defenses in the league. I've got Miami at five. I've got Boston at four, but not by much. I just like Boston's versatility. I think they're a little bit deeper than Miami, uh, and I like ha- I like that they have a guy like Jason Tatum, who's been so good for them as a shot maker, as a tough shot maker. And uh, I like how versatile they can be with their lineup. So I've got Miami at five, Boston at four. I've got those flipped, but again, not not much separating both not, teams. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I, I, to your point, Miami 
has been, I think, ahead of almost every other team just because the state of Florida opened up things for them early on beyond the other 29 teams. I mean, the other 28 teams because you have to include the Magic as well. But Miami has been engaged. I mean, Butler bought equipment for all of his teammates. I mean, we've heard about these things taking place over the hiatus where they've clearly still been putting in the work individually at the the American Airlines Arena. So I feel like they're going to get into shape. Like, we've seen footage or video of Jimmy Butler. He's in phenomenal shape, as you pointed out he's healthy they're a dangerous team there and, and, and you have to take the Spolster factor into consideration because you're right I really do feel like between him and the heat front office they're going to get that team as focused as ready the the weather conditions the idea of playing in Florida isn't going to be such a drastic difference for the heat I mean you're only three and a half hours by car north of, of Miami uh, so to me it's it's going to be like almost a home court advantage for them they're going to have some kind of sense of familiarity as much as you can within these surroundings and Boston Boston to all you know, all your points I agree 100% they're a good team very deep uh, Tatum an underrated superstar I think at this point um is that fair to say? I mean, I know yeah, a lot of people no, probably might not lump him in there, but I, I think he's, he's he's certainly up there as a you know a future face of this league. And uh, you know, I, I'm curious to see how he performs under the bright lights of the playoffs. Uh, you know, being the the team's quote unquote star, and then you've got Kemba Walker. You know, very limited playoff experience there. What's he going to be like in the playoffs? Uh, you know, we don't know if he's that's healthy. taking place here. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there, there are questions there, but I still like their overall talent and, and incredible depth and everything else. Um, all right, we're moving into the top three. This is the first, This is our top tier, I think. I've got the Clippers at three. Um, it, this is this. Look, we're splitting hairs now between the Clippers, the Bucks, and the Lakers. I, again, I have the Clippers at three. Kawhi is there. Paul George is there. All you know, they've got all the things. I, I really don't have a reason to have them at three. Other than I just like the Bucks and Lakers more, I, I'm, like I don't have a more you know enticing argument than that. I've got the Bucks at three. Uh, I've got the Clippers over them at, at the second best team. I just I, I feel like there is a script already that's pretty clear, and I know it's not very easy. But given the the, the shortened regular season, eight games, and whatever this playoff picture might look like. There's a way of being able to limit what this team can do, and you're counting on other guys on that roster to step up consistently. And while they've done it during the regular season, it's one thing to do it in January. It's another thing to do it, uh, you know, on, on, on these kinds of circumstances. And I'm just not, I'm not always going to be a believer in Eric Bledsoe and Chris Middleton. As much as I like their their games individually, especially Middleton's, he's been phenomenal this year. I just don't know what kind of a player he'll be like in the playoffs if he plays the way he has during the regular season then yes obviously they're a, a title a legitimate title contending team i just don't necessarily see that that way i don't think there's enough playoff experience in that in that roster i just i have too many questions about their ability to stay as focused as they were earlier in the regular season and while they they're playing a lot better than i expected i didn't think that they would have i didn't think they would be able to take a leap from where they were last year because they were so good last year and they were even better during the regular season this year but i just i'm not sure if they're I'm not sure if they're in that place where they feel like they're they want to be able to take over the Eastern Conference right. and and hold on to it for the rest of the you know the next few years or whatever. So they're my third best team. Uh, and the Clippers, I, I like Kawhi's experience. I like Doc's experience. I like that team's depth. Um, so it's so a one, two, three there, and I've got the Lakers as the best team in the, yep. in the the play this playoff picture. You talked me into it. I've got the Bucks at three. I got the Clippers at two. Um, and we both have the. I'm actually surprised that we both have the Lakers number one overall. But here's my argument. It's pretty simple. You gave LeBron James and all of his resources yeah. all this time to get healthy and at 100. percent I still think he's the best player in the league when he's 100. percent 
Uh, I trust him in the playoffs. I trust what the Lakers have built. I like. I, I still think the LeBron and Anthony Davis thing is the best two-man game in the league. And when when it gets down to brass tacks, and when stuff is weird, and when you have this sort of chaos that's happening with this Orlando bubble, they, their formula is so simple. And I feel like you they could just go to it over and over and over again. And I think they will. And I've got the Lakers at number one. I think they should be the favorites in this whole thing. Without a doubt, uh, you said it best. And uh, I'll just add that LeBron James wants to be here. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we heard about players expressing that. And, and I think the most loud, the loudest, most vocal uh, opinion was LeBron's. He wants this. He sees this, I think, legitimately as his last best chance at a title. We know that he's going to be able to play at a high level for the next couple of years. But after that, who knows what happens? For now, this is a chance to bring a title to a third team. Um, you know, in his career, and, and I think that this is a realistic one. And I think, look, the team is very good. I think the LeBron factor is something you can't discount. And and you're right, given everything that's so weird and unusual about this circumstance, he's going to have a a singular laser like focus that I don't think we've ever seen from him. As much as he's engaged in zero dark thirty or whatever, you know, he he does during the playoffs, he's going to be even more focused on bringing a title because after this. Then that's it. His career, he's brought a title to three different teams mm-hmm. if he does that in Miami, Cleveland, and Los Angeles. And I, I think he can kind of not, he'll, he's not going to coast for the rest of his career, but this is so important for his legacy to be able to do this for the Lakers. Uh, I, I just, I, I feel like that's going to be his ultimate goal. And he's, you're right, he's been working for this for months now. And I, now he's going to have the opportunity. He's going to be, he's probably so hungry and determined right now to play basketball and to prove himself that he's going to be, as dominant as we've ever seen him. Remember to listen to and subscribe to Locked On NBA on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts if you have some time. Rate us, review us, say nice things about us. When you get done here, you can tell your smart device to play the latest episode of any Locked On Podcast Network podcast, including Hollinger and Duncan. Thanks for listening, and please stay safe.